Amen. Thank you, Ben. And good morning, Grace Marietta. Can I get a better response? Good morning, Grace Marietta. Gosh, y'all are such pouty people. Um, but Ben kind of talked about what I initially wanted to start with is that I just want to honor the leadership and the, the shepherd of this house, both um, not only just Ben, but our elders, Douglas, um, because Grace, not only the family of Grace, but Grace Marietta do truly lift up and pass the cloak to those who are coming behind. And so I'm just thankful, you know, to our board to stand here. It's an honor to preach the word of God. And so I just wanted to extend that, that grace and that, that gratitude to you, Ben, Douglas, our board, and um, all of you. And so we've been walking through a series called Grace Gifts. And if you remember, the text came from the Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 11. Douglas kicked us off with kind of really opening up the series and discussing what the gifts of an apostle is. Then we moved on to Meredith, who opened up what the gifts of a prophet is. On to Allie, who talked about the evangelist and what that looks like. Douglas wrapped up Shepherd last week, and today we closed this series with Teacher. One of the things that we talked about before we started this series is 2 Corinthians 3, verses 18. And it's, it's the analogy of a mirror, right? And that mirror is Christ. And so through the reflecting and the removing of the veil, we become like mirrors reflecting the glory, and not only the glory, the representation and character of Christ. And so as we close up this series, keep that in mind, that these gifts are for the body, for you, not just those who are called to clergy, not who are licensed or ordained ministers. These gifts are for you, and they come through you. And we, as the body, are those who reflect Christ's face to the world, unveiled. You know, we think about Moses when he spent 40 days and 40 nights on Mount Sinai with God and came down, and the glory was so bright that they asked him to put the veil on. But my friends, we have been transfigured because Christ has ascended and descended. He descended first. Matter of fact, he ascended. He was already above. He came low. He refined us. He fulfilled us, and he fulfilled the calling so that through all things we are complete, and he gave us gifts, and those gifts we are to extend into the world. So I pretty much just wrapped up Ephesians 7 through 11. I, pretty, I just wrapped it up, but I do want to read it. It says, but, but to each one of us, say that with me, but to each one of us, say it a little louder like you mean it, but to each one of us, all right, let's say it together, one, two, three. But to each, okay, so that was purposeful because we're taking ownership. Because to each one of us, us, it's us, the body, that God gave us grace. And that grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, it goes on to say, the one who ascended on high left, led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And so he ascended on high, but before he ascended, he descended, and he fulfilled everything. He went into the lower parts of the earth and made sure 
that he held captive everything that needed to be held captive so that we could fulfill what we need to fulfill. Now, Christ went on, and he left us with these gifts. And so verse 11 picks up, and he gave some to be apostles, Brandon, and he gave some to be prophets, and he gave some to be evangelists and shepherds and teachers. So we start today just with a brief overview. And we've kind of been going through a very similar outline with how we structure this series. So I have to start with the definition. The definition biblically of a teacher is one who, exactly, one who is appointed by God, their words give life, and they produce fruit, and they lead others to a practical understanding of scripture, and their actions reflect their teaching. Just take a moment. I'm going to read that again, but just take a moment. Set your eyes on that. One who has been given the grace to teach is one who is appointed by God. Their words give life and produce fruit. They do something. And they lead others to a practical understanding of Scripture, and their actions reflect their teaching. So we're going to break this down into four points. And I want to start with the very first thing that is so important here. And it's one who is appointed by God. All of the gifts are appointed. So I just want to make that to be known. The, the apostles are appointed, prophets, because scripture said he gave some to be each of these things. There's grace for in which the measure God has given you, God has appointed to you appointed it to you to carry that gift out. So it's not man appointed, it's God appointed. Man affirms, but God appoints. Let me give you an example. I felt a leading and calling to the ministry. I had a dream in 2017 that the Lord called me from my secular work to do ministry full time. I felt this. No one else said this. I, I felt that this is what the dream was telling me to do. I went to a man. I knew my call. I knew the appointment, but I went to a man to affirm the gift. I feel God is calling me into this. Can you help me discern what this is? And he affirmed my gifting. Gifting. He licensed me as a, a minister. He said, yes, God has called you. And so men will affirm. Now, there are some people who are haters. So don't look to men. Don't look to men to affirm you. I've learned one thing, if I didn't learn anything in this residency, is to co-discern. I never did that before coming to Grace Marietta. And it's so crucial that you do it. But don't let that be your first stop. Go to God first. So I just want to stomp in the point that God does the appointing. God does the appointing. And we see that in Scripture, y'all. We see that in Scripture. It says in 1 Peter 4.10, Every believer has received grace gifts. So use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many colored tapestry of God's grace. We have, been, we, we have been giving grace gifts and we ought to use them. Derek Prince says, I love Derek Prince. He quotes when training students to be teachers. He said, and I told them this. He says, people remember 30% of what you say, of what they hear. 60% of what, 
of what they hear and see and 90% of what they hear, see, and do. I bring this up is because being appointed by God with grace gifts are not just for you. You ought to use them. And so as teachers, those who are called to teach, and it, I just wanna, I wanna make this open is that, yes, the definition I gave is talking about script, teachers who are expounding on scriptural understanding, but there's all type of teachers. There's many type of teachers. There's, psych, I'm a cycling teacher. There's computer teachers. There's dance teachers. There's all type of teachers. But what God is saying here is that when you are a teacher, not only say it, not only show it, but do it. And here's a scripture that, back that, back, that backs that up. And it's, it's the scripture, hold on one second, where is that scripture? Romans 12, 6. It says, having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So if you are given the grace gifts of prophecy, you gotta prophesy. If you're giving the grace gifts of an evangelist, you gotta go out and evangelize. And if you're giving the grace gift of a teacher, you have to do the work of a teacher. But the most important thing is you gotta use them. You have to use them. You have been given a gift and appointed by God. And so you cannot sit on your gift. You have to use your gift. To my next point. So we talked about a teacher is one who's appointed by God. The next point is a teacher is one whose words give life. They produce fruit. And let's go to a scripture that kind of digs into that. I want to go to John 6, 33. John 6, 63, I'm sorry. John 6, 63. And if you've been in this series with us, if it's your first time, we've been kind of doing a lot of bouncing around in scripture. And I promise you, I'll bring it all home at the end. So just bear with me. I know I'm going in on teachers. I'm trying to wrap all of them in. But if it's your first day with us in the series, I'll wrap it together and you're not left out. So John 6, 63 says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they give life. It's, it's in the essence of this scripture where Jesus' words is explaining to the Jews that their physical doing, their physical laws of washing the hands and washing the plates and washing the cups are no value to God because it is not the words. The spirit is what gives life. So one of the things about a teacher is that their words give life. We'll talk a little later about the immaturity and in, the maturity and the immaturity aspects of a teacher. And you can get caught up in just speaking idle things if you're not careful and if you're not mature in the gift. And so as a teacher, you have to be assured that the words that I am speaking are not my own, but they are the spirit and they give life. Another thing, another example is in Matthew 7, 28 through 29. This is, this is again about Jesus. It says, and when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. They were astonished. They were blown away. 
Because the scribes had the knowledge, but he had scriptural understanding that unlocked not only what he was saying, but what he was doing. So as a teacher, if this is you and your gifting, your words not only give life, but you produce fruit. People can see it. They can see it clearly. Let's look at Acts 18.27. Apollos was a great, a great teacher in the Bible. When you look up examples about scripture in the Bible, you will see Apollos. And it says in Acts 18.27, and it says, And when Apollos desired to cross Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting disciples to receive them. How can people write letters on behalf of Apollos? There clearly had to be fruit to his teaching. There clearly had to be substance to say, you know what? We want to sign and approve and recommend him because the, his teaching is what happens and matters. You know, I'm, in a, I'm a seminary student. I'm in my second to, to second and a half year. Pray for me. And we got a new professor, and he came from Georgia Tech, but he's now at Columbia Theological Seminary. And what I thought was so profound is his students wrote reference letters to the staff, the faculty, and to the students. When you read some of these reference letters, they're like, such and such professor is amazing. He calls you up. He never, he's always working to make sure that you're, I'm like, this is outstanding. That's what a teacher is. A teacher doesn't have to boast about what they know and what they do. They produce fruit with what they know and the understanding that they give. Are we, are we here? Awesome, because some of y'all are like, stay out with me, please. So I promise you, we're, we're getting through this. So we got the two. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. We got two more. So we see in the scripture it says, a teacher is one who is appointed by God, their words give life, and they produce fruit. The next thing is that they lead others to scriptural understanding. You know, it says in, it says in 2 Timothy 3.5 that to make you wise for the salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Again, that scripture is 2 Timothy 3.5, 3.15. And it says, in that from childhood, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the scripture gives us understanding, but you can't stop there. A teacher takes it a next step to the next step, Becky. A teacher drills down to the revelation understanding of what the scripture says. And the reason why they have to do that is because it says in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, he alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit, the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. So it's not just the Scripture if you stop there, you'll miss it as a teacher. Teacher, I'm talking to y'all. Everybody else, you, gotta, you get a pass because it's the teacher's job to teach us this. <laughs> I'm sorry, teachers. You can't just stop there. You gotta go to the next level and say, okay, how do I lead others to scriptural understanding? 
I see what the word says. Lord, Christ, help me by your spirit. Fill me with understanding so that I can teach this. And they lead others into that. You know, when you think of understanding, you think of Solomon, King Solomon. He asked for everything. He could have asked for anything. He said, Lord, give me understanding so that I may judge your people. And what did God, God was just like, really? That's what you want? But as a teacher, that's what you seek. You're like Solomon. You want understanding more than anything. And you'll realize if you read the scripture that not only did God bless him with understanding, he gifted him everything, everything. So for teachers, your desire is the deep things, the, the depth of God's word. And as you seek that, you seek it with the heart to not puff yourself up, but so that you can share it with others. Teachers, you love giving the word, the scriptural understanding. You love seeing people light up to that. And so we move on to the last point. The last point is, and actions reflect their teaching. What we're going to see here is that throughout the Bible, Jesus was constantly referred to as good teacher. He even said, you call me good, and do you really believe it? And, and we see the battle between Jesus, the good teacher, and the good scribes. Because the scribes are good, they knew their stuff, but they didn't live their stuff. And so as the, a teacher with the gifts of teacher, you know your stuff, but you live it as well. And so here, let's, let's go into some scriptures on this. It says in Matthew 7, verse 24, Jesus said, therefore, whoever hears these saying of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus is the rock, the cornerstone. It also says in Matthew 23, verse three, Jesus is speaking as well. He said, so listen and follow what they teach, but don't do what they do. He's telling them, listen to the scribes. They know what they're saying, but don't do what they do because they're around there washing the cups thinking that's what's making them clean. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. So it's not the action if it's misunderstood out of misunderstanding. And that is the teacher. The teacher is all about bringing scriptural understanding and breaking it down practically so that we can live that out. I hope, I hope I'm, I'm opening and enlightening some of those people that didn't know they were teachers. I know Brett's looking at me. Brett is a professor, Dr. Mathurin over there. <laughs> and so Matthew 23, verse 25 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of, gospel, full of greed and self-indulgence. Y'all, Jesus brought scriptural understanding about the kingdom of heaven. The good scribes brought tradition. Tradition won't get you into the kingdom of heaven. 
And so, teacher, this is weighty. You have a responsibility to open and enlighten scriptural understanding in the body so that we're not just walking blindly and doing things and, and doing traditions and not understanding what we're doing. But you have access and understanding to the kingdom in which you say you're, you're, you want to be a part of. Got it? Good? Yay? Nay? Awesome. Jesus taught against this very thing. So teachers, where are you? Where are you, teachers? He taught against this. And so you have been placed on a mantle, not above the other, the other gifts. All the gifts are equal because it makes up the unity of the body. Without some of you standing up as teachers, the body is disconnected and disunified. Without some of you not stepping up as shepherds, the body is dis, disunified. Without some of you not stepping as apostles, prophets, and evangelists, the body, the church, is not unified. We didn't do this series to be a cute series just to feed y'all with scripture. We did this series to call you out and to call you up because if you don't stand up, the body suffers. If you don't stand up, the body is weakened. Number, Ephesians 4 verse 16 is the culmination, I believe, of this series. And I'll read it to you. It says, and every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And these gifts operate throughout the whole body. And so, teachers, I'm calling you up today. Evangelists, I'm calling you up. Prophets, apostles, and shepherds, I'm calling you up. We'll, we'll get to a point where we're able to reflect on this a little deeper. But I wanted to give the teachers some strengths and weaknesses of this gift and where you have to be careful of not falling into immaturity and where God may be calling you up to maturity. So the first one is a teacher is zealous. They have zeal. I mean, Brandon, I feel like is have some teacher in him. Anytime I sit with him, he's zealous to teach scripture or to go over scripture. There's this zeal about a teacher. Now, Brandon, when I say the immaturity aspect, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I just know you, you have a desire to teach. You're actually more of an evangelist. Um, but he has a desire to teach. But as a teacher, there's this, this zeal, this, this passion to teach others, to, to bring others into this knowledge that they know. They're hungry to share it. But the immaturity, the immaturity strength, the immature strength of a teacher is that they can become judgmental. Too much zeal leads to judgment because they'll begin to start to feel like, why aren't you getting what I'm telling you? Why isn't it, it, why isn't it not sticking? 
Steve, why is this not sticking that? I'm trying to get you to understand this, but it's not sticking. Oh, gosh. And judgment can creep in. So as a teacher, keep the zeal, lose the judgment. As a teacher, be mindful as God has given you grace. And we know grace grows, right, Lisa? We grow in grace. And so that maturity rises. So you may have started somewhere like kind of judging people a little bit, but God is ironing that out to just make that up, just passion for him, passion for his word, passion for his body. Another, another strength of the teacher is one who is diligent. Teacher is diligent. They, they are, they're well studied. You, you really cannot call them out on anything. They listen to audiobooks. They read. They, they, they do everything. They are, they know their stuff, and they're diligent about knowing their stuff and their work, which is great. However, the immature trait that can turn into is legalism. They can become very legalistic. As we said earlier, the letter kills and the what the spirit gives. So you can't just get stuck on study. You can't just get stuck on, I'm going to get all this knowledge and, and build it up. And I know everything, and I know everything about everything. I love those type of people. That's not me. I could talk to you about three things. <laughs> but there's some people that I know that you can talk sports. You can talk God. You can, you can talk anything, history. You can really just talk to them about everything. They're well-studied and they're diligent. But you can become legalistic if that diligence isn't to bring life and bring, produce fruit with it. Got it? The third one, and I talked about this, a characteristic and a strength of a teacher is that they are fruitful. Lives are changed. Eyes are open. Leprosy is healed. Teachers got it going on. They are fruitful when they allow the spirit to give life to their words and not the letter or their soul. And so the fruitfulness comes based off of an understanding brought by God, not by self-knowledge. Don't get caught up in self-knowledge. Get caught up in the godly knowledge so that you're fruitful for God's kingdom. And a good rule for teachers is to remain humble. Humility always wins. Because as you're fruitful and you see eyes being opened, you'll, you'll think it's you. It's not you. It's the spirit gives life. Because the default of a teacher in this is that pride builds up. Humility and pride. Stay humble and the works of God will flow through you. Outside of that, pride begins to creep up. Pride, vanity and self, puffed up. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look at this scholarly article. No, look at, look what I've done, write it, signing my name on it. This is what I've done. This is what I'm, I'm not saying not be scholarly. I'm just saying, let it be scripturally based and let it be of the spirit. The last one is a teacher is intentional. James 3, 1 says, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. 
teachers and those who have this gift practice intentionality. Your speech has to be controlled. You're not fly by the mouth. You're not, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to just go at it. You have to be intentional with God wants you to say. And you also have to be intentional of knowing the timing. Because sometimes understanding without wisdom can be deadly. We see it in Scripture. Oftentimes those people, some people moved ahead without the understanding and the knowledge, and they fell into something, and death. Not saying that to scare you, but I'm, I'm saying it to Joe in the point, is that we have to be intentional with our words. Teachers, be intentional. And the last one is, being intentional, but too much intentionality or not much intentionality can lead to idol. You'll just begin to give idle speech. It says in Matthew 12, 36, every idle word men speak, they will give account in the day of judgment. It doesn't say every action men does, they will be given judgment. It says every idle word men speak, they will be given judgment. And so teachers, I think that's a call out for us all, but specifically teachers, be intentional with your words. Don't just flutter your mouth and let idle words come out. Because truly, in the measures of gifts, God has given you the gift of teacher, and so therefore you will be judged stricter on that. And so... I said this earlier, and I was reflecting on this this morning, is that we believe that God didn't just remind us to teach from the Ephesians 4 scripture just so it can be a cute series. But I believe God is calling us in this moment to become a part and unify as the body, to operate and our grace divinely gifts bestowed to us to offer them back to the church and back to our community. And so as the band comes up, we're gonna take some time to reflect on this. I'm gonna walk us through what we're gonna do. There's gonna be some prompts that come on the screen. And before we deal with those prompts, we'll get up and grab our communion so that we can take communion first or after. So could you put the the prompts up before I have everyone move? I just wanna walk through them and give some understanding. And so the first prompt that you'll work through is asking you, Which grace gift have you been given? Now I'm asking you, and I know some of you have just joined us in this series for the first time. There will be a handout given to you all. One very much like this with the scriptures, everyone will get it, and with the breakdown, so don't worry. 
we got you. But we want you to really self-reflect and ask yourself, which grace gift have I been given? And then the second thing we want you to do is, how can you use this gift to serve Grace Marietta? As I said, this wasn't just a cute sermon series. We truly need you. The church needs you. The body needs you. Apostles, evangelists, teachers, prophets, shepherds, to offer your gift back to the church. And so we want you to clearly speak that out and, and, and share with yourself first of how that looks. And then the last one is, what is... Thank you, God. Stomp, stomp, stomp. So God is stomping on number three. What is the brave next step you need to take? What is the brave next step you need to take? Some of you may have resonated with the gifting and said, you know what, that's me. I have signs of an evangelist. I have signs of a teacher. And God, you know I have not been operating in them. And so what are you going to do about it? That's what that question really should say. What are you going to do about it? And what is it going to look like? And so once you've taken about three minutes to reflect by yourself, turn to the people next to you and ask these questions to them. Co-discern with them. Remember, God appoints men and women can affirm. And so you may need affirming today. You may need, some of us, we don't listen to God. Sorry, Lord. But some of y'all right now knew God has called you to something and he's appointed you to it. And you just need a neighbor, a friend, a brother, a sister, a family member to say, you know what? That is, that's your gift. I see it daily. You do it in the marketplace. You serve at church and do it. Let's pull that out of you a little more. What can that look like? And I promise you, you can come to any staff member and ask, help me carry this out. And I would proudly link my arm with you. Ben would proudly link his arm with you. Douglas would proudly. All the staff members, all the body, all the elders would proudly link their arms with you and say, you know what? I will carry this out with you. I will make sure I will double stomp. I will pound on your gifting and affirm you that is that is what God is calling you to. Three minutes of self-reflection. Four minutes of group reflection. We'll take communion together and I'll speak a blessing of activation over you. For this day, God has given us the grace of those many gifts. And this day, we will respond to those giftings. So as you move to get your communion, hurry, don't get into chatter. Come back to your seats and we'll walk into this. Amen.